0: I'm so sorry, I forgot the cheese. I'm so sorry. I I actually, I I brought five different kinds, so, hopefully that helps. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any pineapple pizza left? Oh, I actually ate the last three slices, sorry. (laughs) I told you people like pineapple on their pizza. Well, I hope we haven't scared you off permanently, but we'll be here again next week if you want to join us. Yeah, I'll be here. Well, to everyone at all of our campuses and those of you joining us online, welcome back to another week of Belong. We've been talking about what it means to belong here at Menlo Church. And before every message, we've seen a short video that depicts a group of friends sitting around a table together having dinner. And I just love that image of friends having a great time, sharing stories, laughing, connecting. And at the center of the story or the center of the table, there's a woman who's new, who's been invited for the very first time, who's sitting around a group of people that she has yet to know or become friends with yet. And at the end of that short video, we see that she feels like she belongs. Even though she's new, she feels welcomed there. And all of us have been that person before. We've all been the new person before. Maybe uh, there was a time when you were growing up, or maybe now you're the new kid in school, and you don't know anybody, and no one knows who you are, and it's the most nerve-wracking experience Or maybe it's a new job and you show up to work on Monday and you don't know anybody yet, you don't know what to expect. You're that new person. In my family and I, we recently experienced a whole lot of change and newness. We made this big move from Boston to the Bay Area. And we had to start all over. We had to make new friends. We had to meet new neighbors. My wife and I started new jobs. My kids all went to new schools. Even coming to Menlo was a brand new experience. I remember my first service at Menlo Church. I didn't know anybody yet, no one knew who I was, and so I came and sat in the back of the room right over there, and, you know, I tried to just sit back and kind of fly under the radar and be a little anonymous. That is until someone came up and tapped me on the shoulder, and I looked over to see who it was, and it was a guy named Frank. Frank's on our staff. He's one of our pastors. And Frank came over to say hi and to welcome me and my family. And, you know, in that short gesture of hospitality, he really made me feel welcomed. I felt like I belonged here. I was in the right place. And I never want to forget that feeling of what it's like to be new, what it's like to experience your surroundings or the people that you're with for the first time, how challenging and awkward and difficult that can be for the average person. Because you see, most churches, including ours, can miss this and get it wrong. We can be really, really warm and welcoming to people we already know. People's names we know, their stories. Maybe they've been coming to this church for a long time or you've been coming to this church for a long time. And it's easy to connect with the same people week after week and just really be welcoming to them. But not everybody here is plugged in like that. Not everybody would consider themselves an insider. Maybe today you're new at our church. And you're the one who's experiencing all of this for the first time. And you're wondering, am I in the right place? Do I belong here? Because deep inside every person, there is a desire to belong. It's primal. It's fundamental to our well-being. And like we saw in that opening video before the message of a group of friends sitting around the table, In the scriptures, we oftentimes see Jesus sitting around tables with friends and with other people having a great time, deep in conversation, oftentimes it's a party or a feast or a banquet. And in Luke chapter 14, Luke describes one occasion when Jesus is invited to a meal at a very prominent person's house. This person was a Pharisee, a religious leader, an expert in the law. And everybody sitting around this particular table were experts in the law. Now, I'm not talking about attorneys or lawyers as we consider experts in the law, but the law according to the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, they were rabbis. They were religious leaders. They knew their Bibles, and they would sit around tables like this, and they would interpret the law together And they would come up with how to apply it best in their lives. And it would really get fascinating when some of the laws would contradict each other and they would try to figure out what is the greater good or what's the lesser evil. And so Jesus is sitting around a a, a table of people who you would consider religious insiders. But on this particular occasion in Luke 14, there was somebody at the table who didn't belong. This person wasn't a religious leader or an expert in the law. This person didn't belong because this person had a sickness. This person carried an illness, a disease. This person was considered, according to the religious experts, unclean and therefore unwelcome. This person did not belong. But Jesus does not ignore this particular person on this day. In fact, Jesus pays attention to this man, and he does what no one else is willing to do, Jesus touches this person. And as he touches him, he heals him of his sickness and sends him on his way. Jesus just did the unthinkable because now if Jesus touched an unclean person, that means Jesus is now unclean. And I imagine the feeling around the table. You could hear a pin drop. No one's talking No one's saying everything. Everybody is staring at Jesus. He has just committed a religious foul. And people are waiting to see what he's going to say or do next. It's tense. And then there's a guy that Luke tells us in the scriptures who says, Blessed is the person who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This person was probably a middle child, a peacemaker, a nine on the Enneagram, if you're into that. This person could not stand the tension in the room, the awkward silence. He couldn't bear it, and so he throws out this statement to kind of break the ice, and Jesus could have easily said, yes, it's true. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Amen to that, indeed. And they could have all just laughed it off and continued in their conversation, but Jesus does not say that. Instead, what Jesus does is he tells a story, and his story goes like this. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master and then the owner of the house became angry and and ordered his servant, go, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. You see, in this story, what Jesus is doing is painting a picture of the heart of God. Because in God's heart, he wants everyone to come to his table He invites anyone and everyone, no matter who they are or where they're from, whether they're rich or poor, healthy or sick. Jesus would use stories like this to illustrate what the kingdom of God was like and to reiterate his mission that he had not come for the healthy but for the sick. Not for the insider, but for the outsider. And so as Jesus is telling this story, he's contradicting the what the people around that table had created, what they had created was an exclusive group, an exclusive table where you had to obey all the laws and all the rules to sit at the table with them. These religious leaders were more interested in keeping people out than letting people in. They didn't want more people at the table. They didn't want a full house of all kinds of people. They wanted a full house of the right kinds of people. Their kind of people. But Jesus is describing the heart of God who longs for anyone and everyone to be invited into his house, to sit at his table, and to receive his love and care for their lives. That's why Jesus is telling this story. And oftentimes, we get this all mixed up in the church. We think we have been invited as insiders, but all of us at one point were outsiders. All of us were new. My wife works at a company that loves to feed its employees and throw all kinds of fancy parties. And, you know, when I go to see her at work all the time, it kind of feels like a party, even in the middle of the week on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, When I show up, there's food everywhere. They've got food trucks lined up. It's all free. Uh, They've got people playing beach volleyball and throwing Frisbees and rolling around in their grass with golden doodles. I mean, I have to stop and ask myself, does anybody work around here? Uh, But it literally feels like a party every time. Uh, And so when I get there, the first thing she'll do is take me over to a check-in station, a kiosk, where I put in my name, and it prints out a little name tag that I clip to my shirt, and it has my name on it. And as long as I'm with her, and I'm wearing one of these name tags, I can go in and out of the cafeterias and the coffee shops, and I can eat whatever I want, I can drink whatever I want. But the people who work there, the employees, they have fancy name tags. They're badges, actually. They have a hologram on them. It has their name, and, and their name tags can get them into any building and unlock almost any door. My name tag can't do that. Mine doesn't even have a picture of my face on it, and it doesn't unlock doors. And as long as I'm wearing that name tag, it reminds me and it reminds everyone else that I don't work there, that I'm not an employee, that I'm just a visitor. But once a year, the company will throw this big holiday party, and they'll invite everybody up to the city, and uh, everybody, whether you're an employee or a guest, a significant other or a plus one, is given a bracelet to wear that gets them into the party. Everybody wears the same bracelet, whether you work there or not. And so we get all dressed up, and I wear a bracelet, my wife wears a bracelet, and you go in. And as long as you're wearing one of these bracelets, they'll let you in. You can eat and drink and dance for as long as you like. And it's usually at the at, at the holiday party <clears throat> where I feel a little bit less like an outsider because I don't have this weird-looking name tag that sets me apart. I'm wearing a bracelet just like everyone else, and so I feel a little bit more like I fit in. I know I don't work there. I don't know anybody at the party, but I don't kind of stand out and look different. And you might think that's kind of funny, but the story of my life is that I've always tried to fit in. I've always tried to fit in with the crowd. I grew up as a child of Korean immigrants in the southeast part of the United States. I always felt different. I never fit in. I was the only Asian kid in my class. And so I tried everything. I would join every club, every team. I would do every activity. I was into music and sports just to find my place, to fit in with the rest of the kids. If if you could imagine, my adolescence and teenage years were terrible because I had such a hard time fitting in. There was a time when I pretended to get into heavy metal, keyword, pretended. All right? And I pretended like I was a headbanger, and I got into electric guitars, and I put posters of Iron Maiden and Slayer all over my bedroom walls, and that just didn't fit me, this Korean-American kid in this school in North Carolina. So I decided to take up skateboarding instead, and I grew out my bangs a little bit. I started wearing baggy jeans and airwalks. Remember airwalk shoes, Right? And I would go to skate shops and hang out outside with my friends and and do all these tricks on the street with our skateboards. And that didn't last too long either. I was trying to fit in, but that wasn't my thing. So I did the thing that really is the most obvious choice. I got into rap and hip hop. (laughs) I cut my bangs. I got a high top fade. And I'd show you a picture of it on the screens. But that would just unleash a load of repressed adolescent memories that would just make me cry in front of you right now. (laughs) I tried to fit in because I was different. Brene Brown is a professor and an author who's done extensive research around courage, vulnerability, and shame. And she says, contrary to what most people think, belonging is not fitting in. In fact, fitting in is the greatest barrier to belonging. Fitting in, I've discovered, is during, uh, during the past decade of research, is assessing situations and groups of people and then twisting yourself into a human pretzel in order to get them to let you hang out with them. Belonging is something else entirely. It's showing up and letting yourself be seen and known as you really are. You see, the truth is, none of us really fit in around God's table. None of us are holy None of us are perfect. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And we cannot measure up to the goodness of Jesus. But the good news is this. We might not fit in, but we belong. We belong because God loves us. And in he sent his son to live a life we could not live so that we could be invited to sit at his table And to be in his house and to join him at his party. And that's the good news. And that's why who we are and what we are as a church is so important and critical to the heart and the mission of God. God wants his house to be full of people. He wants every seat to be taken. And he wants to invite more and more people in. And as a church, we get to partner with God in that way. What if Menlo Church was the most welcoming place in the Bay Area? We live in one of the most unchurched places in the United States. Over five million people don't go to church or aren't part of a church community. And we get to welcome people in, to introduce people to this idea that there is a God who loves them, a God who cares about every detail Of their lives. We get to do that together with God. There's a famous story of these two shoe salesmen that are sent to this foreign country to assess the market, uh, to see whether or not their shoes uh, might be uh, worth selling there. So the first shoe salesman goes, and he spends a few days scouting the area, and then he sends a message back home, and he reports back, research complete, unmitigated disaster. No one here wears shoes. So this guy's thinking, i got to get on the first plane back home. Second salesman from the other company does the same thing. He scouts out the area for a few days, sends a message back home. He says, research complete. Glorious opportunity. No one here wears shoes. Instead of seeing an obstacle, this second person saw an opportunity. No one was wearing shoes. We can give these people shoes with over 5 million people in the Bay Area who do not go to church or who do not have a church community, we have a glorious opportunity to invite people in to this place, into our lives, into our community, so that they might know of a God who would do anything to show them his love. And we get to partner in that. And that's what this series is about, inviting others in. God wants his house to be full, and he wants every seat around the table to be filled. And we can either be like a Pharisee and sit around the table and argue over who's right and who's wrong and push people out. Or we can be like Christ. We can be like Jesus. And we can pay attention to the people who need to be loved who long to belong, we can touch them, we can touch their lives, and we can welcome them in. And if that's who we want to be, I want to I close by asking this question. How is your heart for people who are far from God? Do you carry the same burden and the same weight that Jesus does for people who are far from him, who are living a life apart from Jesus? And if so, there are three things, there are three simple things I wanna ask you to join in with as our church does this together. And the first one would be this, invest and invite, invest and invite. Invest in the people who God has put into your life and invite them deeper into your life. Uh, Maybe it's a friend right now who's experiencing something really difficult. They're going through a hard season, a rough patch. And right now they need somebody who will listen. Someone who will put an arm around uh, their shoulder. Someone who will invite them out to coffee or dinner. Someone who will just sit and listen and maybe even cry with them and just understand that what they're experiencing is hard. Invest in that person's life. Join them in their journey. Be with them in their pain. Invite them deeper into their life because they, through you, will experience the love of God. Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker, maybe it's someone in your family, Uh, maybe it's a a server at your favorite restaurant and you have a personal relationship with this person and every time you go, you know each other by name and you're building that relationship. Uh, Maybe it's somebody that you coach soccer with. Invest in these relationships because you never know who God is putting into your life to bring them one step closer to a God who loves them. I used to get my hair cut uh, by this lady uh, down the street from where I lived, and every time I'd come in for a haircut, she would always talk to me about her daughter. Her daughter was a teenager, she was a single mom, and she was always so stressed out. She had a hard time connecting with her. They would always argue and fight. They were never on the same page. She was always worried about her daughter. And And literally every time, without fail, I came in to get my haircut. I'd sit down in her chair, and she'd just start talking about her daughter every single time. One time, she stopped and she said, Eugene, What would you do if you were me? I'm I'm ready to give up. I want to just give her away. (laughs) And I said, well, I would probably find a group of teenage girls who really are committed to each other and support each other. And then I would try to see if I could connect her with that group of girls. And she turned off her clippers. It got really quiet. She looked at me through the mirror, into my (laughs) eyes, and she said, where can I find one of those? And I said, "Um, my church has some of those. (laughs) I said, we've got a youth group where uh, teenage boys and teenage girls get together all the time and they do life together and, you know, they share their struggles and they're, they're committed to each other and they go through these things together. And then she said, your church? Where is your church? When does it meet? What does it do? What do you guys talk about? How much does it cost to come there? Give me directions. I mean, she just started asking all these questions about my church. And eventually, I helped her find a church in her community where her and her daughter could go together and get plugged in and get reconnected and really heal that relationship. But little did I know, I was sitting in this woman's chair every month to get my hair cut to hear about her struggle with her daughter and just make a very simple suggestion that there's a place, a community, a church full of people that love each other and would be happy to welcome you in. Invest in those relationships and look for the opportunity to invite them one step closer to God. That's the first thing, invest and invite. Secondly, become a host. Become a host here at our church. Be like Frank. Go up to people and say hello. Tell them your name. Ask them how long they've been coming for. You never know who they are or who you'll bump into. Before you head back out to your car, next week before you find your seat, Find someone you've never said hi to before, someone you wouldn't recognize, someone you've never talked to before, and show them some hospitality and welcome. Because you never know, that person could be here for the very first time. That person could be my old barber who's looking for a church where she can connect and belong. And she's wondering, will they invite me? Will they welcome me? Will I be accepted? Or you could meet somebody who came into church this weekend And is thinking to themselves, this is the last chance I'm giving this church. I've been here for months now. I don't feel like I belong here. I don't have any friends. And they're ready to give up on God. And maybe by reaching out to them, God is connecting you in this divine way to show someone that they're in the right place, that they do belong here that there is a God who is aware of their life and loves them. In fact, if you call this place home, right now I wanna officially say you're part of our host team. You don't have to put on a T-shirt or lanyard, but if you want one, stop by Info Central, we'll hook you up, but you are part of our host team. Let's make this the most welcoming place in the Bay Area at all of our campuses. So invest and invite, become a host, and last, help us make room for others, for people who are not here yet. And what do I mean by that? Well, right now we have six campuses from South City to San Jose, and we do a bunch of services every weekend. And sometimes I'm able to come and visit all of our various campuses, and some of those services are very full. They're very packed. I've even seen standing room only at some of our campuses. But not all of our campuses and not all of our services are full like that. And so I want to invite you, again, if you call this place home, if you're one of our insiders, if you're part of the family, if you're able to, consider going to a service that's less crowded, which means it might even be a little less convenient for you. Because here's the thing, a new person, a guest is most likely to come at the most crowded service, not because it's crowded, but because the crowded services are the most convenient ones, the best time of the weekend. But if you would be willing to move to another service, one that's less full or less crowded, one that has more room in it, what you would be doing is you'd be opening up a parking spot on the weekend, a seat in the auditorium. If you've got kids that you bring to church, you would create a little bit more room in our kids' ministry environments so that new kids could come and get checked in. And new families and new individuals and new people could come and be a part of our church together. Now, I know not everybody can make this move, and I know some of you have to go to the service that you go to, but God wants his house to be full. He wants every seat filled. And if you're an insider and you're able to make that move, you would be helping make room for people who are not here yet. Because I guarantee you next week, if you make that move, somebody will come and sit in the seat that you make available for someone else. And God's heart is that this place would be full. And if every service at every campus is full, we'll start new services. And if we can't keep those, if those services are full, we will start new campuses. Because God wants people in the Bay Area to come to his table, to join him in his party. He wants his house to be full. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. God wants everyone in his home. And so now as we uh, get ready at all of our campuses to invite you to the table to receive communion, I want to ask you to remember this. God sent his only son to become an outsider on the cross so that you and me could become insiders and receive an invitation to sit at his table. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have a place like this. Whether today is the first time or the hundredth time that we've been here, we know that this is a safe place where we can discover who you are, experience your great love. We can find hope and healing and help in a community of people who will surround us and embrace us with love. We thank you, God, that we can belong to something like this, a church, that this was your idea, that this was your creation. And we are not perfect and we fall short all the time, but we are so grateful that you invite each and every one of us to the table and that you want your house to be full. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.